Welcome back to another episode of the Suncast, the official podcast of Somos Unidos News and your source for the latest news on New Mexico United. I'm your host this week, Seth Benoff. We've got a lot to get to on this week's show. This week, we're going to get ready for an even longer road trip for United. We're going to say goodbye to Manny. And we're going to catch you up on the rest of the latest news and notes surrounding New Mexico United. This is, of course, episode number eight of the Suncast, and not only is Jacob back, but we're also welcoming our first guest to the show, Josh Carrillo. Before we get into this week's discussion, I do want to remind everyone about our written content. Jacob and I, of course, do uh, written content over at dadventuresmedia.com forward slash Somos Unidos, not only covering New Mexico United, but we also have a blog about our lives as dads, as well as some video game news and reviews. All right, a little bit of housekeeping out of the way. We're here to talk United. Off the top of the show, Jacob, welcome back to the show. We're f- glad to have you back. How is your move going? It looks like we've got you set up there, and you have some sort of internet connection at least this time. Yeah, it's not uh, not too bad. We uh, got settled in. We've been here a couple weeks now. It was uh, it was, it was hectic that first week or two. The uh, the house wasn't quite done when we got over here, so they had um, we had two rooms that we really couldn't put anything in and uh had to get some floor or some tile grouted still and this and and the other so for the first week it was pretty rough and then the second week was settling in but like you said no internet uh couldn't get on here last week to do anything so i'm glad to be back and glad to talk united and honestly with everything that was going on had i got on last week to talk about the last couple games i had forgot most about them anyways so i had to go back and and look into some stuff so i'm glad to be back and uh Glad to talk about everything that's happened so far. We are certainly glad to have you back. I ended up doing like a, a late night uh, recording. It was like midnight on the, a Thursday night last week just to get, you know, just a, a little brief preview out of uh, of last weekend's match against El Paso, uh, which of course we will talk about later in the show. But yeah, it, it's definitely good to have you back. And we've got, there's been so much going on. I can't wait to get both your take and our, and our guest take tonight on the show. Um, and without further ado, let's bring him right in. Josh, Joshua Carrillo, you guys may know him formerly from seek and strike collective now you can find him over at alloyradionow.com doing the uh, the riddler's killer rock show do i have that right yep that is that's right the riddler's killer rock show on alloy radio i am on on mondays from uh, 7 p.m to 9 p.m and then saturdays 9 p.m to 11 p.m um i play pretty much all the stuff that you hear like on octane and stuff like that like slipknot event sevenfold all them and uh last night i had a very special guest on show from ice nine kills a, a big old band that's blowing up right now because of their uh their new album the silver screen that dropped is based on horror films so that every song is based on like a different horror franchise like halloween friday the 13th you know jaws and all that stuff so it's, it's been a lot of fun um i'm enjoying it but i'm really glad to be here it's uh it's been a while since i've talked united uh especially with you seth um, you know, so I'm glad to be back in the studio and kind of just talking some United. It's, it's good to be back. Yeah, it absolutely has been a while and it is good to have you back on the show with us. You know, you, you know, most folks know that you and I did seek and strike last year. Um, and yeah, mm-hmm. like you and I, I mean, we've kept in touch and, you know, we haven't really talked too much United and you've been busy with your show and, and you've had, uh, yep. we've all had other things going on. Now I know you've got a charity event coming up. Uh, you sent me some information about I that. It's, like it's on Saturday, August 8th at 7 30 p.m mountain time so what exactly is this event that you've got going on it looks like dead by daylight um yeah so me and the uh, lead singer of escape the fate and dead rabbits um 
uh, are doing a mental health awareness charity event. Um, we're raising money for people who have mental uh, health, like uh, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts, you know, stuff like that. Um, we're playing Dead by Daylight. We both have PlayStation 4. Um, so we're going to be playing that. For those of you that haven't heard of Dead by Daylight, Dead by Daylight is one person is a killer and they got different killers throughout the games. And then there's even famous ones. I think you could be like Michael Myers, Ghostface, Screen, or um, Freddy Krueger, stuff like that. And then you play against four other people and they're the survivors and they got to start generators up to open doors. And uh, so me um, and some friends are going to go up against Craig Mabbitt. And uh, I'm trying to raise $500 for Albuquerque. He's trying to raise $500 for uh, Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, we're going to go personally and donate all that money. Yeah, he he lives in Phoenix, but uh, I can't even say that word on the show. huh? That's like a cuss word <laughs> yeah, on the show. That's a dirty word, man. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're going to try and raise $500. The more, the better, guys. Um, like I said, I'm going to go personally to the Mental, mental Healthness, uh, Health Awareness Center here in Albuquerque. And, guys, what this does is it donates uh, – it provides – mental care it provides medication for those who can't afford it and then of course help you know people who do have suicidal thoughts and just to get them help and get them back on their feet that's a very awesome that's a very awesome idea dude like i, I love that so much yeah so um where, so where can people find out more information about this and where is, are you going to stream it are you going to what how are you guys doing this yes so um crank has a twitch um i know he's like twitch.tv forward slash craig mabbit I am um, just going to do it personally on my Facebook page, uh, Riddler's Killer Rock Show featuring Joshua Carrillo, and I'll be putting it on Alloy Radio's Facebook page as well. Um, I'm having a, a friend help out. He's going to make a little donation button, so if you guys, like I said, want to help out, this is a great way. Um, we all need it right now, especially during these times. There's a lot of people ill out there, so catch it on Facebook. Just like I said, head to my Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Riddler's Killer Rock Show featuring Joshua Carrillo. Dude, I can't wait to check that out. Um, and if you want after Dude, the show, so send, much me, fun. send me the links to that, and we'll make sure to get them in the show notes, and we'll uh, yeah, we'll plug it on social and all that kind of stuff for you. Because like, you know, like you said, mental health is, is such a huge deal right now. I mean, even for people mm-hmm. don't, that don't have like diagnosed mental health issues, just dealing with everything that's been going on since basically the you know mid March has been just. I know it's been a, a huge load on a lot of different people. Um, you know, Jacob and I have talked about it on the show and, you know, uh, we talked about it on our dad, on our dad ventures podcast. And yeah, it's definitely something that that's weighed on, weighed on us. And, you know, my wife and I have talked about it. And so, yeah, bringing awareness to those things is definitely like a huge deal. Like, especially, you know, really any day and age, but especially now. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think that's why I got into radio and, and podcasting and coaching and stuff like that. I did suffer from anxiety and depression and suicidal thoughts for years. And, uh, you know, I think this is what has kept me going is the, the radio and podcasting. So don't be afraid to ever reach out to somebody, you know, especially here, uh, you know, me, Seth and Jacob, you know, if you guys need to talk, we're here, man. That's, that's what United family does. Yeah, absolutely. You know, everyone's, you know, we all say somos Unidos and, you know, really, you know, we are, we are united. Um, you know, Jacob and I have said before, like, if you ever just need someone to talk to, you know, shoot us an email, shoot us a, a DM on Twitter, Facebook, wherever, and you know, we'll, we'll, you know, we'll be here to talk to you guys. And so, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll, we'll get all the information out for everybody, um, uh, for Josh's charity event. It sounds like really awesome time. Uh, again, that's going to be a dead by daylight, um, play event, uh, play charity event on Saturday, August 8th at 7 30 PM mountain time. So check out Josh's 
information for that. Uh, we'll have links up on social and all that stuff for you guys to follow and in our show notes. So, uh, nice. Josh, like when you mentioned, you know, it's been a while since we talked to United. It absolutely has, you know. Um, Jacob and I have been on the show each, you know, every week so far. And, you know, what are your thoughts on the season so far? I mean, has the has it kind of gone how you expected since the restart? Or are you kind of expecting a little bit more from, from the club and the league? Well, um, well, a lot better than the first game against Austin. I'll tell you that. Um, you know, for some reason, I'm not seeing the excitement that we saw last year. Um, I, I mean, I'm, I'm super happy that we got, you know, a draw and a win against El Paso. You know, because there's nothing better, and like you never want to hear that we lost to those to those guys. But uh, I don't know. I'm just I don't see like the charisma, and I don't see the the energy that we had. I don't know if you guys have seen it either, but these guys, you know, I'm glad Devin's stepping up, but I just I don't see like the fire. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Like last year when we score a goal, we're jumping all over each other. Yeah, you know, we're celebrating, and I know COVID has something to play with it, but. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm not seeing it, but I'm enjoying it so far. I mean, I'm glad that we started off strong and we're on top right now, but uh, I don't know. I just, I see a lack of fire right now. I don't, I don't know if you guys see the same. Do either of you guys think that maybe it has something to do with the fact that there are no crowds? There's no energy to feed off of. I mean, the guys aren't particularly like, in my point of view, they don't seem to be playing like slow or without enthusiasm, but yeah, definitely like after goals, there's not that same level of energy from the guys. I will agree with you there. Um, I mean, do either of you think that it's due in part to the fact there's no crowds? I think it, it, I mean, El Paso, we played in El Paso twice and Colorado Springs since we came back. Um, neither of those places really draw well for the home club, but we do travel really well to both of those places. And, uh, I think that that could be, could be part of, I mean, I, I was at the Colorado Springs game last year and we were definitely, definitely louder than the whole rest of the stadium combined, um, had our drum section over there and, uh, Colorado Springs made the mistake of handing out, uh, the Brazilian horns. And we got a bunch of those and made a bunch of noise with them. So um, that that definitely could be. I also just think, like, I don't know about you guys, but I don't have the energy that I had last season uh, just because it's it's just a weird world we live in right now. So mm-hmm. so I don't I don't necessarily know how much of it is lack of crowds, how much of it is the guys just might have other issues on their mind. Um uh, to be fair, though, they're playing probably better soccer than I've seen them play aside from a small stretch last season. Um, I think they're playing really well. Of course, they're still making us sweat out these one-goal wins and uh, drawing the last time. But the Colorado Springs match, the first El Paso match, and especially the second El Paso match, I thought I thought we played really, really well. And... Um, the energy after the goals might not have been there, but I feel like the energy on the field when the whistle is not being blown, I think is there, which is important. The more important part is getting the results, I think. Yeah, there's definitely been a progression in their level of play since coming back. I mean, that first match against Colorado Springs, there was definitely some sort of like uh, almost a feeling of uh, being the guys being timid on the pitch. You know, they really had to play themselves into it. And then in the la- in the two El Paso matches, you can see them coming out more with more energy um, and playing more fluid football than than what they did, you know, in that first one back. And I think that long break like really has had a, 
a bigger effect on the game and on the club than most people tend to see. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there, Seth. Uh, uh, I I definitely see it. I, I I agree with Jacob. I think they're playing some great some great soccer right now. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really proud of Weehan and the way he stepped up because I, I, I mentioned it last year, Seth, when we did Streak and Strike is, you know, we needed to find somebody that was a leader out there. We needed to find our guy, especially with Freighter gone now. Um, you know, we all looked to him as the guy that was going to propose, uh, supposed to lead this team. But now I think Weehan has stepped into that role. And I think Cody as well. I mean, Cody's always a leader, but uh, I think on the field, while the guys are moving, I think Weehan has stepped up in that position. And, uh, you know, it's got to be weird. You know, you're, you're playing in front of cardboard faces for crying out loud. I mean, it's <laughs> you're playing with fake background noise. I think that kind of would freak me out a little bit as well. I mean, we see it in Major League Baseball and the guys are even in the locker room saying it's just weird. It's it's confusing times right now. You can't really touch anybody like it's just I don't know. Maybe that's why the momentum hasn't been there. But I agree with Jacob. I think we're playing great right now. I think this is a, a good motivation going in. But then you got to think, too, being on the road for so long, that's kind of got to be kind of draining as well. You're staying in hotels. I mean, you're, you know, you're worried about being sick. I mean, that's just got to take an effect as well. Oh, yeah. And, and speaking of that, um, that, that being on the road is it got a little longer with the Phoenix match uh, coming up on August 8th. That was supposed to be here in Albuquerque. It is now going to be played in Phoenix because of uh, the governor's restrictions here in New Mexico. And I remember having a really, really long road stretch last year uh, where it was like almost a, almost two months, if I'm not mistaken, where we didn't play here. Um, yeah. And, right around two months. Yeah. yeah and, uh, you know, it, it does have to take a toll on them, but if they keep getting points and getting results, if we can get results on the road, because the way I see it, we're either going to be playing everything on the road or the first half of the schedule will be on the on the road and then the second half will be at home. And if we can keep getting points on the road, then by the time we come back and, and have eight matches in a row here at home, uh, look out. We're, we could run mm-hmm. away with this thing. You you mentioned that that long road trip last season. Of course, you know United did have the Open Cup run there in the middle of that. We I think we had like two or three Open Cup matches as well as just a number of league matches uh, that were away due to the isotope schedule. Do you think since we have the majority of the club returning, do you think that those guys have sort of an advantage or some sort of uh, you know message they can give the newer guys to the club? Like, hey, we've been through this. We've been away from home you know, we can, we can do this. Like, I mean, the club survived last season. I mean, we did well in the open cup, not necessarily as well, you know, in league play during that stretch, but the club survived it and maintained uh, their playoff position uh, or their, or at least the, the possibility of getting to the playoffs. Do you think that there's something there? I, I think Troy said it best last year. Um, he says, you know, these guys will always miss home, but their, their mindset is just get the job done no matter where you are. Um, you know, now with now that there's no crowd to influence these guys, you know, you don't have, you know, in El Paso, unfortunately, you know, like you said, they don't draw a big crowd. So the cardboard people that they had there is actually the attendance that they have in real life, even without COVID. But, you know, you don't have you don't have 3000 people screaming in your face. Um, you know, it's just the other guys. It's just straight up playing high school soccer, pretty much. Um, you know, I think and I'm like I'm going back. Troy said, you know, we're going to get it done no matter where we are and. You know, these guys prepare for that. They know what the outcome is, and they saw it during the COVID break. 
um, when they weren't playing. So I think they prepared for it mentally and physically as well. Yeah, we've mentioned the the cardboard cutouts a couple times. I got to ask, um, Josh. I know you're you're a baseball fan at least to an extent. Did you happen to see the other day when the Braves were playing the Mets up in New York? Uh, I didn't catch it, but I heard something on on those uh, those cardboard cutouts. Chipper Jones bought uh, cardboard cutouts for him and his son to have them placed up in City Field. <laughs> nice. Uh, it's better than the Cubs with that green screen virtual fan thing that we saw. That was just ridiculous. <laughs> you know, I, I did want to ask you guys about that. So I know that La Liga is using that. What I mean, do you think that that's really like that bad, or does it give, at least for the viewers at home, sort of, some sort of uh, attachment to it? You know, with especially with the fact they have FIFA game sounds being pumped into the broadcast as well. To be honest. Uh, watching like the MLS games that are going on, they give you the option of having the fake crowd noise or just the natural sound, um, at least on Fox sports. I don't know about the ESPN one. I think the ESPN one is just, it is what it is, but the Fox sports. And then with the prim league, premier league and uh, Bundesliga, you could pick whichever one you want. And I love it without any noise from any fake noise. I love just being able to hear the players bark at each other and, uh, mm-hmm. catch them saying stuff to the refs and, and this and that and the other. And I, I'm not looking at the stands, uh, when I'm watching soccer anyways, um, I'm, I'm looking at what's on the field. So it really hasn't, uh, affected me. I will say actually baseball has been the weirdest thing for me to watch without fans, which doesn't make a whole lot of sense because baseball doesn't really feed. You don't really feed off the energy of the crowd a whole lot through a baseball game, but to see a home run land, without dozens of fans like colluding to one spot to try to catch it is just weird. And I just, and the ball just sits there. Yeah. It just bounces <laughs> and then, and then lands and then just, and I'm that's, that's been the weirdest thing for me actually without fans in, in any of these games, even the basketball games that I've watched, it's, it's, it's been the baseball games that, that don't have people in the home or catching a home run ball. That's the weirdest. Yeah. You know, and, and especially with soccer, you know, these guys score a goal, and, you know, I've been watching overseas soccer and, you know, you're used to these guys running to the side and just pumping their chest in front of the crowd. And to do that in front of cardboard boxes and cutouts and stuff, it's kind of like, well, all right, I guess we can do it. But I, I, I don't know. But baseball, when I watched that virtual one, I mean, the guy hit a home run and it was kind of like a, a five second delay for the fans to stand up and cheer and, you know, go crazy. I, I don't know. I think that's I think that's a pretty bad move by Major League Baseball. But I understand, you know, people are, are weirded out. Like Jacob said, you know, it's just weird looking in the crowd. You know, especially I watched the Yankees and Nationals on opening day. And, and uh, you know, the announcer was still into it. He was like, and now batting for the Yankees, blah, 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 blah. But then you don't hear any response. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess it's – we're all kind of on the same page here. Like, it, it's – you know, I think that EA, you know, FIFA game sounds being pumped in is kind of interesting, especially since they have recordings from each stadium. So they're able to do like match specific sounds for that type of stuff. So I think that's interesting. But yeah, the, the fake fans look weird. The cardboard fans look weird. You know, uh, soccer, you know, listening to just, you know, the bass, the, the natural sound of the game has been so much fun and some of these different things. And I guess the real, real test of this real question for this is what happens when we get to the NFL season? If there are no fans in the NFL, like we've seen them do like mic'd up and things like that in the past. And we, you know, we've heard like guys like Peyton Manning, you know, 
we can hear them on the broadcast sometimes. What's it gonna sound like for the with these guys when they're colliding into each other play after play for three hours? Have you, you know? ever seen a rated R movie? <laughs> for, they're gonna have to probably put something that says explicit language or you know, they're going to have to put the game on delay because, you know, half, half, I mean, I played football in high school and half my, the words that came out of my mouth were swear words half the time. So I think there's going to have to be some kind of delay in the game. That way these guys in the audio booth can cut that out. And could you imagine if someone gets hit like, like Theismann did years ago? You oh, and you can hear, hear the bone crack. Uh-huh. hear the bones. Yeah. I mean, how do you, how are you going to handle that? I mean, fortunately the sports that we've seen so far, we haven't really, had to deal with that too much. You know, it's very rare for something like that to happen in, in, in basketball or, or football or soccer, you know? So I don't know. It's another one of those interesting things. How is the NFL going to handle that test? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but my, my biggest question for you two guys is, you know, with the fear, what the Miami Marlins are going through, you know, is this circling through, um, you know, the USL as well, where if these guys are traveling and somebody gets sick, you know, say, I'm, I'm going to pick on Phoenix for example, uh, just because I don't like them, but uh, <laughs> um, say Phoenix gets sick, um, t- the guy, fourteen guys start come down with it. How does that affect their season? You know, how would it affect them playing United? I mean, how do you reschedule stuff like that? Do you think what's what we're seeing in, in baseball will reflect uh, in, in USL soccer? Well, with baseball, it's uh, that schedule is so jam packed, and you know you're you play every day almost. Um, so that's gotta be really tough for them to kind of rework that. I think with, with the USL, it would be a little bit easier to tweak the schedule. I mean, we've had to tweak our schedule three times now, um, or two times at least. Um, so I think it, it, it would be a little bit easier, but yeah, it's definitely something that when you're not in the bubble, like MLS and the NBA and the NHL are going to be, um, it's a concern uh, because especially with how it can spread in the team so quickly. I mean, I think I read today there were 17 Marlins players that tested positive. Um, yeah. I think it's 17 players and coaches. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it, just like that, you know, they're, they can't even feel, they can barely feel the team. So um, with soccer, it's a little bit different, but um, I, I do think that it is a con- I think it was been it's been a concern ever since we started up the season and didn't do the bubble. Uh, it just basically comes down to people being responsible, um, the individuals being responsible and and not putting themselves in situations that they shouldn't be in. And then if they do feel any symptoms or anything like that, you know they got to come out right away and say, hey, uh, I'm not coming in today because of that. I'm gonna get tested and see what happens. I don't know what the USL testing procedure is. But if they're not testing everybody every day, uh, that could be that could be scary uh, if somebody if one team pops like that, and, and it has the potential to ruin the, the season again. The testing policy is out there, and we can always go look it up if if we want to. Um, I know Jeff Reuter put out a series of tweets last weekend that said um, to that point in the season, I think there had been uh, over eleven eleven hundred tests done across the USL Championship and League One, and there had been nine positive tests or eight positive nine positive tests against, across eight clubs. And those, I don't believe any of those were um, specifically players. I think they were all player people were, uh, in, in close proximity to the club. So I think even USL being outside of the bubble method, like the NBA and MLS are doing, I think so far, it sounds like everyone's been doing a pretty good job of uh, maintaining, you know, the, the, 
the social distancing and that, you know, all following the guidelines that have been put out for there for them. The real issue that I've seen, I've seen, you know, mentioned on Twitter quite a few times is, you know, the, the places that are allowing fans into the stadium, you know, they're not enforcing mask, poli- mask policies. And so you see people in the front row on these broadcasts or right behind the players, you know, without masks on. And, you know, that could be a potential issue there. So, I mean, no matter how these sports are done, there's always going to be some sort of risk involved, you know, given the given the nature of uh, of this pandemic that's going on. Do we see that in Colorado Springs? Were there fans in the stands that day? Because it looked a little crowded that day. There were fans. Um, I didn't. They didn't show the crowd a whole lot. From what I did see, I do believe I saw them wearing masks, unless they were um, with their family. I guess I don't know. It, it's hard to tell in those situations. You know exactly what's going on, but. But there definitely were fans, and they I, I believe the majority of what I saw were wearing masks. Yeah, I mean, there are some clubs that are that are taking it seriously. And, you know, I think at that point, you know, if even if people are wearing them into the stadium and then taking them off, I think the clubs have some sort of responsibility. And then even just really it's more so on the individuals, you know, to ensure that they are doing what they have to do. But ultimately, you know, it's going to be hard to police everybody 100% of the time. Yeah, you know, I mean, anybody can say, "Oh, I just took it off to take a drink," or "Oh, I just got done eating something," you know, and they hadn't put it back on yet. So, I mean, really, how are you going to police that? Even if you do try to enforce a one hundred percent, you know, mask on policy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of that's kind of where we're at so far. I mean, it's been an interesting restart. Um, have you? Got, we've mentioned you know different things that we've been watching. Is there anything like within the USL or MLS? Because you know the MLS tournament has now gone to their knockout stages. Um, has anything caught either of your eyes as far as, you know, play wise? How about that LAFC? Man, they've been, uh, they've been kind of tearing it up lately. So I think they're, they're going to be the team to beat for a while. Can we, can we just uh, have a moment of silence for Atlanta United and, um, <laughs> and Seth over there? Uh, just a, just a quick little, little moment of silence there because they, they did not look good whatsoever. Um, no. but yeah, I, I agree with you, Josh, LAFC just, um, they've kind of looked, uh, looked dominant ever since the first match was a little, little sketchy against Houston, but they've come on real strong, uh, just destroying LAFC. They drew against Portland, but, uh, this last match was, was just them dominating again. So I do think that even without Carlos Vela, they're still going to be the prohibitive favorites for this thing. Yeah, and I'm 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 excited about that. I, I I didn't have an MLS team, and I watched the We Are LAFC on ESPN Plus, and uh, really started to like them. And then, of course, they had a great season last season, and and they're just they're just a really it, it's fun to watch beautiful soccer, and that's what they do. Yeah, I think the tournament's been really well done so far. I think um, there haven't really been too many surprises as far as results go, uh, other than Atlanta United. Uh, losing out but honestly i think even from an atlanta united supporter uh point of point of view like we lost joseph before this even started we lost, we lost joseph you know uh before the before before the extended break and all that kind of and all this and you know without joseph even with adam john and you know we just signed some new guy but he's with the with the twos until january then he's gonna come up it's a it's a whole mess but Without Joseph Martinez, Atlanta United wasn't going to be 
I don't see how anyone could have them as a favorite in the tournament. So it, it's no real surprise. And then I was surprised that they fired uh, Frank DeBoer, but um, you know, uh, Atlanta moves forward. You know, we've got uh, I think his name is Stephen Glass. He's going to be the interim head coach for the time being. So you know. Yeah. I think honestly that's been the biggest surprise of everything as far as the MLS goes. So did you guys fall into the premier league this year? You know, I do come on. It's uh how about that Chelsea? Yeah. Chelsea. <laughs> yeah. So for that, I, no know, one I, wants that Liverpool match though. We, we don't count that one. Yeah. We won't count that. <laughs> I, I mean, really, I mean really at the beginning of the year, who would have picked Liverpool other than Liverpool supporters uh, to, to basically just run away with, with the, with the, with the title. And then there's the way that the end of the season played out. Like nobody seemed to want top four there for the last few weeks. And so the results are just kind of all over the place. And I mean, Everton did not do well. And we lost to, lost to what Bournemouth <laughs> the, the last week of the season. Like, come on, man. Like it's just, I don't know. I, I think all around, you know, other than like Serie A, which is basically, you know, done and done and like Liverpool and stuff like that. I mean, there was so much just weird play and uh, uneven levels of play just across the board. I think it's it, it won't be until next season before we really see like a real like return to form for most of these clubs. But I mean, look at that record for Liverpool: thirty-two wins, three draws, and three losses. Like, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen a record like that in Premier League. Yeah, I don't think there's ever been anything anywhere close to that. I mean, I know they didn't they didn't hit the hundred points, which I know which I know has been done before, um, but yeah, it's uh, yeah. I don't know. I don't. Know. It, it, you just can't. I mean, you, you got to give them credit. Credit. You know, Jurgen Klopp, you know, has has a fantastic squad over there. They've built it up over the past few years, and you know, I mean, credit to them. I mean, they they were basically going to win it before the COVID break, and you know, coming back, there was really wasn't anyone that was going to be able to catch them without a whole lot of help. So. All right, guys. Well, I think that's going to do it for our opening segment. I mean, we've already and we've already kind of touched on, uh, you know, the 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 date and location change or the location change of the Phoenix match. We know that United is going to be, and their what was supposed to be their second first home match of this season is now going to move out to Phoenix on August eighth. Um, we talked about it, you know, affecting the club. I mean. And really, the like the last thing that we kind of had on our agenda, you know, that we thought about touching on was, what are your thoughts on how the governor is handling this? Now, you know, f- warning to anyone who is listening, we we might get a little political in the <laughs> next you know, 10, 15 minutes here, um, but it's all in the, you know related to the club, and we're gonna we're gonna stick to that. We're not gonna like branch out and start like going <laughs> off on any like weird tangents or anything. But I mean. You know, the governor has come out and said that the Mexican United may not play any home matches at, may not be able to play any home matches at home this year. And she's also said that the club has not been granted any you know, travel exceptions or anything like that. And Peter, Peter, Peter has acknowledged that. And to the best of my knowledge, the club is still, however, traveling in and out of the state. And they're now having to be playing on the road. Is do we think is the governor right in this? Even if you know United could play at home, I mean they had an agreement with UNM to play over the soccer complex. We know there weren't going to be fans, so I mean, is the governor? Is, do we think the governor's right in not allowing United to play or, and or practice here? No comment. <laughs> <laughs> 
That's a smart move, Jake. That's a smart move, man. <laughs> no, but uh, it, no, I don't think so. I I don't understand it. Um, there's not going to be fans. Uh, you'll have a TV crew uh, that is already going to be um, quarantined by themselves, basically. Anyways, um, I so I don't see a harm in it uh, whatsoever. I, that could just be an ignorant statement by me and I might be overlooking something, but, um, what they're, they're always together. Anyways, they are getting tested. They are traveling in and out, basically quarantining themselves when they are in town anyways. Um, so what's, what's the harm, uh, if if somebody doesn't want to, if they need people to help work the field and stuff like that, if somebody doesn't want to do it, then they can opt out and not do it. Uh, but I'm sure you could find people that would be willing to to go over there and do the the groundskeeping work that needs to be done. So I don't personally understand it. Uh, but there's a lot about the the time of uh, or the the world that we live in right now that I don't understand. So um, yeah, that's that's my two cents. <laughs> Uh, it's it's difficult for me to agree with what the governor's doing. It's hard to go out and about, and you can go to Walmart, you can go to Costco, Sam's Club, and stand in line with you know five hundred other people, but the soccer players can't be together on a soccer field. You know, driving by a side of casino the other night, the parking lot was full. Um, you know, there was tons of people in there. And I, I don't know if she's all about money, because if she is, I mean, the United do a pretty darn good job of bringing it in. Um, you know, I, I, you know, I agree. Maybe not in fans, but you gotta let these guys play at home. You know, they, you know, you gotta. What's the point of home field advantage if we can't even get it? You know, it's gonna be rough on these guys traveling to every single game. Um, but I'm gonna go back to it. If we can stand in line. And, and shop at Walmart, these guys could play soccer. Uh, no questions asked. There shouldn't be any restrictions for these guys. And like Jacob said, he hit it right on the head. These guys are doing everything they're asked. They're being tested. They're staying away from everybody. Um, you know, I, I can see if, you know, we can have a policy where other teams can get tested and, you know, we can track them. If they get sick, you know, we could tell our guys, you know, you got to get tested again. But then again, that's another problem in itself. How many times you're going to get tested a year? And I, I got tested once and that test sucks. Um, having that thing go up your nose and, you know, I feel bad for these guys when they do get random tested, but you know, I, I don't agree with she, what she's doing by shutting the United down. I don't see a purpose in it. They're not hurting anybody. They're staying away. I mean, even on the side of the benches, they can put chairs out like the uh, major league baseball's done where those guys are literally eight feet apart from each other. I think this United can do the same. Um, so I, I don't know what she's thinking, but then again, maybe that's why I'm not governor. Hey, maybe she'll run for office. You know, you never know. You could be elected one day. <laughs> I, I, I agree with you guys. I think, I think the decision is a little short, short sighted by the governor. Um, you know, like, like we mentioned, you know, the club and the USL do have stringent testing policies. Um, to date, no one within the club players or anyone associated with the club um has been that has tested positive for it now i know uh, i could understand like if you know someone was coming from say phoenix or new york or something like that you know areas that have been hotbeds for, for covid19 but 
especially now with a regionalized uh, grouping. I mean, we've got El Paso, Colorado, Real, and that's it. I mean, Phoenix would have come in for one match. And, I, you know, really, I mean, that's it. So, yeah, I, I definitely think that there, there, there is some benefit to having them come in because those clubs are then going to be spending money within the state, you know, on lodging, on food, you know, on, you know, whatever, whatever they need. And then, of course, you know, they're going to follow their own, their own and the league's uh, quarantine guidelines. Um, do you, do you guys think that maybe it would have helped if the league had gone to more of a um, old USL uh, League One or League Two style schedule, where it was two matches at home? against the club and then two matches away or something to that extent to where they are, you know, in one place for two weeks at a time, given you know, the, the, the status of our travel restrictions. I think it would have helped us with travel and bouncing back and forth. I don't think it would have mattered to the governor and letting us play games here. Um, so, and it would have helped a little bit, but, I also think that these guys are kind of used to travel. I mean, they've been doing this for years, uh, most of them anyways. Um, so I think that uh, I think that if they're not used to it, they'll get used to it pretty easily, um, pretty quickly. So I'm okay with how they're doing it now. Uh, I wish we could have some home matches, but uh, hopefully hopefully we can have some home matches at the end of the year because our, our, our schedule right now, that whole back half is yellow. Um, and, uh, I guess we're losing, technically we're losing a home match. So we're only going to play seven, uh, because of the Phoenix switch to having that game over there instead of over here. But those last seven are month of September and the month of October. And if we can get through this first half, uh, all on top of the group or towards the top of the group, still within striking distance, uh, that's all that it matters to me. And, and hopefully the governor can, uh, realize that there's no harm in letting them play here anyways without fans and just let that happen because uh, we could definitely use some some home cooking down the stretch and get these guys rested up. And it's got to be tough on them too. So, Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, we talked about it last season a lot, you know, in person and, and on the various outlets, you know, the having those matches at home in the season, especially in that playoff run, you know, trying to get back in the playoff position made a huge difference. And I think given the group that we're in this year, I think that's going to be you know, a huge, a huge deal for the club if we if we are able to play at home. So. All right. So those are our thoughts on the governor. Um we want to hear your thoughts. Like if you, whether you agree, disagree with us, please let us know. You can of course reach out to us on uh, social media or through our emails. Um, we'll give those at the bottom of the show. Like we want to hear your thoughts. And if we, we when we hear from you guys, we'll try to include them on, on uh, next week's show as well to see where the uh, United fan base is at with that. So moving on another piece of United news, not necessarily great. Um, came out the other day that the club has released Manny Padilla as a result of their investigation from the uh, reports that he was involved in sexual assault during his time at the University of San Francisco. Um, I don't know if you guys had a chance to read the petition that was out there. I believe it was over on like change.org. Uh, there was a big petition out there. Um, some of the stories uh, were not, did not put the, the university or specific folks in, in a great light. And as a result, the club has decided to part ways with Manny. Now, 
at the time when all this happened at the University of San Francisco while I was there, Manny was disciplined by the university. What that what that discipline was, we don't know. Um, I believe it was all under Title IX, so it's like completely sealed, and we don't know what the what the outcome of that was. But the, the university did come out and say that he was disciplined during his time there. Do we feel like this is an overreaction from the club to something that happened a few years ago? Do we feel that this is appropriate? I mean, what what are what do you guys think about this? I mean. Did Manny like serve his time? I mean, or, I mean did, because of the title nine, do we think the club just didn't know about this? Um, let me ask you, Seth. Um, so, say you know something like this happened to you know you or myself five years ago, and our current employer fired us, you know, for what we did. Would you see it fair, or you know, are you just being like, man, that happened five years ago? I'm a different person. It's it's hard. You know, we don't know what it is. You know, that's the hard thing about United. They're hush-hush about details. And, you know, like you said, it was, you know, dealt with with San Francisco. I think if he paid a punishment in San Francisco, um, you know, the, the man paid his due. You know, he maybe he was suspended a few games or matches or maybe a season. But it, it just sucks how it comes back to haunt you five years later, you know, and and, you know, it's kind of like it tweets these athletes do. You know, they may have tweeted something eight or eight to 10 years ago and it comes back to haunt them, especially in times like today. Is it fair? I, I could see it either going either way. You know, the NFL players get away with it. They're still on their football team. So, you know, why can't Manny? I, uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a different route here. I don't, I don't know enough of what happened or what has happened since then or um, anything like that. I think for the sake of team chemistry and fan continuity and uh, just PR in general, I think it was the right move. Um, I, I know Manny very little. Uh, I've talked to him a few times. Um, seemed like a pretty stand-up guy. Uh, but everybody has a, another side that we don't see, especially uh, um, people in the spotlight, like um, United players or baseball players, basketball players, whatever the case may be. Um, they all have a personal life that we don't know and we don't understand and we don't, we're not privy to, which is, is perfectly fine. Uh, but if you mess up in that personal life, um, it's going to affect your, your work life. And I know that it was five years ago. Um, but if San Francisco dealt with it properly back then, I don't think we'd be in this situation. Uh, however, from everything that I've seen, yes, he was disciplined, but it was basically a slap on the wrist and uh, rubbing your nose in it like you would a dog going to the bathroom on the floor. And then that was it. Um, and that's not enough. That's not good enough. Uh, so I wish San Francisco would have taken care of it back then. Um, and maybe maybe Manny would have never been on the club because of that. Maybe he would have got kicked off of the soccer team over there and never would have got the chance. I don't know. Um, but had they had they dealt had they done their job we wouldn't be in this position and i think uh, being in this position uh united did the right thing um you're also talking to somebody who was never really a big fan of manny on the pitch um yes he had some great crosses and and great deliveries uh um he had a uh, in fact the colorado springs game last year uh, i believe one of the is the one that comes to my head when we played him here in in albuquerque uh, he put a beautiful ball into Devin, who got on the end of it and, and put it in the back of the net for his his uh, hat trick that game. Um, but he just uh, he seemed to be in the wrong place at the wrong time every once in a while on defense. 
Um, seemed like the first cross of the night, if it was good, he was going to have a good night. If it was bad, he was going to have a bad night. Um, so I'm, I'm not one of the biggest Manny supporters on the pitch. So it, I think it's a little bit easier for me to say, you know, they did the right thing and, and, um, wish him the best of luck moving forward. Uh, cause I know a lot of people were huge Manny fans, uh, are huge Manny fans and are very, very ticked off by this decision. Um, and I, I also think you can be annoyed at the decision and still be standing with survivors and and against sexual assault and all this stuff. I, th- I think there's room to be in both camps there. But I, for one, am in the, uh, they did the right thing. Um, they had to let him go just to keep, keep uh, all parties satisfied, uh, so to speak. I know that there's some people that are upset about it, but um, I'm not going to stop watching United because they kicked somebody who sexually assaulted somebody five years ago off. Uh, I mean, that, that doesn't make sense to me. So, but I could see some people stop watching them because they kept him on. And at the end of the day, at the end of the day, this is a business and it's a business decision and they made the right business decision in my head. It's a, uh, it, it's, it's tough. These decisions are, are always tough, but we saw, I think last year, Seth, I think in Jacob, we saw issues with Manny last year. Um, he would, he didn't play a few games and I, I heard uh, rumors that it's because he, he has an attitude, um, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I agree with Jacob and his points. Um, it, it's a tough call. I think Peter had a tough choice to make. And like you said, Jacob, you know, you got to satisfy the crowds, especially now, nowadays during these tough times, uh, you, you got to, you know, you can't stand alone on the totem pole there and, have the crowd go against you because you don't, you don't need to lose fans over this. Um, and I'm sure Manny, Manny knew it. I, I think he knew it was coming. And, you know, like you said, Jacob, we wish him the best of luck, you know, wherever he may go. Uh, just don't go to Phoenix. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough call. This is just is something that's very hard. And, you know, I think if it was MLS, they may have let it slide, but, um, you know, USL, you know, and, and the way that United has stand up against every protest that we've had here and they, they're, you know, they're with the fans and the crowd. It, it was the decision that had to be made. And it's, uh, man, I'm always going to say it's, it's tough. It's, it's just a very tough decision to make. And, um, you know, but like I said, Manny's had issues in the past. So, uh, maybe, maybe it'll be a fresh of breath there in the locker room. Maybe we can get somebody else in here to fill a spot, but, I do agree with Jacob. I, I didn't wasn't too impressed with him. I wasn't the biggest Manny fan either. Um, I think a lot of people just related to him here in Albuquerque because his name was Padilla. Um, but uh, you know, it's time to move on, and you know, good luck, Manny, and good luck to you know wherever you land. Yeah, Manny definitely played his way into the club last season. He didn't start out well, um, but I think as the season went on, his his level play did get stronger. Um, Josh, you mentioned he was out for a while last season. That was af- that came after the U.S. Open Cup match out in Phoenix, in which there was a scuffle at the end of it, and we speculated for weeks um, why Manny was not being included in the team sheet, and we it was basically confirmed towards the end of it that there was some sort of disciplinary issue, you know, despite the club not issuing a, an actual statement to that effect. Um, I mean, it, it is unfortunate that that in this day and age, it's something that that you do years ago can still come back and, you know, and bite you in the ass. Um, but you know, it, it sounds like the, the culture at the university of San Francisco, especially during the time that Manny was there 
was not a very good one. Um, it sounds like, I mean, there have been other stories, you know, um, across college sports where things are just kind of swept under the rug and nothing is really, you know, really truly done to solve the systematic issue. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, if Manny was a part of that, you know, it, which it sounds like he was, you know, it's definitely not someone that that I think the club should be, you know, necessarily associated with. That. And that's, that's not to say that, that people can't change. They can't learn from their mistakes. They can't grow from that. But I think that just especially given, you know, the, the, the landscape of our country right now, you know, Me Too movement um, and so many other things that are going on, you know, like you guys said, it is a business decision, you know, like the club has to do what's best for the club. And, you know, there were, there were people questioning, you know, last season, you know, with Salih coming back after his suspension for um, using what, what was it, racist or derogatory terms. Some people question whether or not he should be part of the club, you know, still at that point. Um, you know, the club decided to keep Salih on, you know. Um, if that happened this year, I mean, who knows? You know, we could see that, and for all we know, someone may go back to that and say, oh, well, Salih did this last year. You know, why is he still on the team now? Um, but yeah, ultimately it, it's a business decision for the club. And I think it, it's better for them in the long run to go ahead and part ways with Manny um, instead of keeping him on and possibly bringing more scrutiny down on the club for keeping someone that that was punished for, for sexual assault, you know, even if it was years ago. Yeah. And, and looking, talking to, to, Coach Lassane and um, the the organization last year, they were all about um, character guys coming in and um, having having uh, not just good soccer players, but just good human beings on the club. And um, I think after everything that came out with Manny, you can't you can't say that you want good character guys on the club and then keep them um, if that's the case, especially with being disciplined last year and stuff like that. Now I know that there's um, some fans out there um, that'll that are upset at the uh, um, Romeo Parks signing mm-hmm. um, after what he pulled uh, in the USL a couple years ago, and um, yeah, that what he did was terrible. Um, I, I, I do we are we all on the same page of what happened there, Josh? Are you aware mm-hmm. of? Okay. I uh, just wanted to make sure I figured everybody was, but just to make sure. Um, but he was suspended by the, not only USL, but soccer in general for a year. Um, and then he came back and from what I understand from everything that I saw, he was a model citizen after that. He hasn't had any incidences in the two years, two and a half years since then. Um, since he came back anyways. And, and, uh, you know, part of coach, listen, coach Troy uh, preaching character guys uh, is I think I I truly do believe coach Coach Troy is a is a stand up guy, and part of being a stand up guy is allowing people second chances um, if they've earned it, and I think uh, Romeo earned it. Uh, as for Manny, um, his time came, and and uh, I think. I, I imagine the club maybe I think they probably had to know about San Francisco, the San Francisco incident. Um, if, if they were doing their due diligence, I'm sure it came up and probably was like, Oh yeah, that happened. Uh, I was disciplined for it. Um, yada, yada, yada. It's, it's, it's over now. Uh, but when it comes back up like this, it's, it's a, 
it's a sketchy situation for everybody. Um, and, and they made the business decision to get rid of them. And I don't think that changes my opinion on coach and, and the organization wanting quality character guys on the team or not. I, I think it just kind of affirms it for me that, yeah, they, they got rid of him because he was going to be a distraction and not a clear character guy right now. So, um, but, uh, unless anybody else has anything to add, let's move on to some on the pitch stuff. Uh, if that's good with you guys. Yeah, let's do it. So we are, uh, on the top of the table for group C, um, sitting on seven points through four matches, um, with El Paso four matches as well, uh, on five points and then Colorado Springs on four points with three matches and RSL. We don't care about right now, uh, because they have one point through, um, three matches and do not look, uh, very good right now. So do you, do you feel like, uh, I, I know me and Seth talked before the season that I thought it was going to be, um, United and Colorado Springs going through and, and, uh, at the moment, um, that's not out of the question yet. Uh, do you guys feel like we're going to see drastic changes coming? Uh, is this kind of, is it going to be neck and neck the whole time? What do you guys think? Yeah, the way things are playing out right now, um, it's definitely leaning towards you know the the, the top three clubs kind of running away. It's gonna and it's gonna come down to probably just like the last week or two of the season, and to finish up to decide that second spot. Uh, right now, like you said, Real does not look good at all. Um, they're coming off a there there's a, yeah two losses and a draw. They're and in their draw they were up three one at one point. Colorado Springs went down the 10 men and then were able to score two goals um, towards the end of that match. Now, if that's not a meltdown by, by a rail, I don't know what else is. Um, but yeah, they just, they have not looked well. They're, 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 they're the defending USL champions. So who knows what's going out going on out there. So now I will say that that, that team has the potential to turn around uh, pretty quickly here because I know a lot of their players were with the um, big league club during this MLS's back tournament and they did just get knocked out. Uh, so it is very possible that we see uh, some Michael Chang and some um, other Douglas Martinez, Douglas, was it Douglas, yeah, uh, Douglas Martinez um, come back down and give them some punch uh, that they might be able to use. But I still, uh, I think they might be coming off of a USL hangover and <laughs> USL championship hangover and, and might not perform up to par, but sorry. I interrupted no, 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 you're fine. Um, eh, I hate making predictions this early in the season. Um, and I also hate being a New Mexico fan and that not, not only means for United, but like a Lobo fan and an isotope fans, we start off so well and then something happens and we just go down for some reason. And, we saw it last year. I mean, look at we were on top of the standings for a long time, and then, you know, the we played in the summer and we kind of just drew down a little bit and barely squeaked by in the playoffs. Um, so it's hard to make predictions right now. I really do hope that we stay on top, and I think we do have the, the club to do it this year. I think they can get us through. Um, I just want to see that battle between Colorado Springs and El Paso. Um, right now, like you said, Salt Lake can turn around in the blink of an eye. They can. Maybe they were planning this. Maybe they wanted to be bad for a little bit and let the other teams think that they're not in it. But, you know, it, it could be anything. But it's just hard being a New Mexico fan. And, you know, you're like, man, I just hope this continues to where we continue to dominate. But I've seen it many times before. And 
it's it's hard but uh i think we we did i think personally i think we get through and i think it's going to be a battle between el paso and salt lake i think colorado springs is going to kind of die down a little bit um but i think it's going to be between salt lake and el paso to see who gets that two spot see as as somebody who's born and raised in new mexico as well uh i understand where you're coming from (laughs) with the negativity uh, but I, for one, am an eternal optimist, uh, sometimes, sometimes to my detriment. Um, but I will point out a couple key things that I see different from last year and this year. Uh, this year, it's just a much shorter season. Yeah. Um, we, we don't have to go that two-month stretch um, on the road playing a bunch of different clubs. We, have, we know who we're going to be playing. Uh, the games that matter are really the four against El Paso, which were already four points there. Uh, the four against Colorado Springs, we already have three points there, and then four against Real Monarchs. Um, and I like how we stand up to those clubs uh, a lot better than you know pay, playing the random uh, Reno 1875, 33, whatever they are, um, on a random Tuesday uh, in July. You know, uh, so I think that that's that's one of the major differences that I see. And then I think we just have a better club this year than we do last year. I think we have more depth. I think we have more top end talent. I think we have more leadership. I think the ones that have been there have gelled better. Um, Weehan and Sandoval up top um, are just a seriously, seriously big threat up top. Uh, and then our back line, I mean, we'll get to it a little bit in the El Paso match, but it's in shambles right now as far as who we have back there. But they seem to be doing it. No matter who we have back there, they seem to be doing a heck of a job this year so far. So. Um, I, I, I understand, uh, where you're coming from there, <laughs> but I do think there are some differences and with this group model, uh, I like our chances. Yeah. I was just looking back at the, uh, 2019 schedule and each of the clubs within our grouping, we did fairly well against them. Mm-hmm. I mean, we beat Colorado Springs twice last season. Uh, we beat, uh, we, we uh, went one, uh, one, one lost one with Real. The win was a five, one win uh here in uh albuquerque and that was against uh that was the day my youngest son was born just oh yeah congratulations yeah (laughs) nice nice uh, shout out there to your son so and then of course we know that uh last season we did of course beat el paso once and drew with them once so i mean our historically we did very well against this grouping um and so far you know we've you mentioned the points that we've gained so far against these guys. Um, I think it stands to say that, you know, we have a very good shot at, you know, at grabbing that number one spot coming out of the group. But of course, you know, it is still a technically, you know, long quote unquote season to go. I mean, we have 12 matches left, you know, it doesn't sound like a lot, but I mean, we, we still have to, we have to go to Real twice. We still have to go to Colorado we have to. We still have to be on the road with these guys, and if all and we keep talking about if all these matches end up being on the road, you know how how is that going to factor in as we go? You know, I mean, no one wants to be on the road for you know for four months. So, I I do think though that with the group, the way the groups are grouped together geographically, uh, traveling to Colorado Springs and to El Paso are that's a pretty easy travel. Um, Monarchs, yeah, that's that's a little bit more of a headache, but, um, I, I could see, I could see the El Paso and Colorado Springs matches being, even if they're on the road feeling not as terrible as, you know, going to Sacramento and Tacoma and 
Oklahoma City and all these places, which we do go to Oklahoma City this year. But um, I, I think that the travel, even if we were to have all of our matches on the road, uh, isn't going to be as big of a deal as it would be in a normal year. Yeah, I definitely don't think I don't think it's the the distance of travel that's going to be an issue. I think it's just more the more the fact of you know being away from home. That's true. I think the, the, the mental aspect of it more than the you know the actual, the actual like physical like travel is what's going to cause issues for us. Um, I mean, we weren't particularly great on the road last season. We were five seven and five on the road. Um, now again, a lot of that also you know we did also have what was it, four open cup matches on the road as well in there. So. Yeah, it, it was a long, long road season for us last year. Yeah, definitely. And we already mentioned the month-long stretch or two-month-long stretch there where we had several Open Cup matches and league matches all on the road. And, and that, that did wear on us. Um, so I could understand that. Um, but I, I, like I said, eternal optimist. Uh, <laughs> I just feel like, uh, feel like this is our... If... if I'll put it this way. I'll be very disappointed if we don't win the group. Yeah. I think we, I think we all talk about the schedule changes. I, I've got the schedule up here in front of me now. Like, yes, it's nice to have all those home matches in a row, but if you look at the end of our schedule, we have five matches currently within 18 days. Yeah, it is. Season. It is jam packed because of adding that Monarchs game in there. Um, I did, I did notice that. And that, that is a lot of soccer in a lot, but I think going back to our depth that we've added this year, uh, we can rotate people in um, a little bit more than we did last year uh, because I love all the guys that left, um, especially shout out to Tony, uh, who was our our boy over at Somos here over at here at Somos Indios News, but they didn't play. Tony, Ken, um, Madden saw the field a little bit, uh, Samson a little bit here and there. Um, I'm sure I'm for Josh Goss. Um, they just didn't, they never saw the pitch. And now our guys that we have coming in now instead are going to be, you know, Sammy Sergi and um, Andrew Tanari and Salih Muhammad and all they're, they're all going to be rotated and that's going to help us uh, towards the end there when it's jam packed like that. I think this year, even though our roster, I think it's actually just slightly smaller than last season, or the or the very similar, but I think the guys that we have now are more versatile than the roster we had mm-hmm. last year. I think that's what's going to be the biggest factor for us. Um, you know, going through that long stretch of matches, and like right now, our, our first home match is scheduled for August fifteenth. At this point, I don't know that that's going to happen. Probably not. I imagine that that's going to be. I imagine that'll get switched to an away match, and then maybe we'll be back home on. I don't know, August 29th, but you know, because that's the next possible like change that we could see in terms of, in terms of scheduling. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a, an interesting end of the season guys. Like there's only 12 matches left and we've got, you know, we've got a two point lead right now. So I don't know, but you know, how do we get to that two point lead though? You know, we went down to El Paso, played two matches in, in what, 10 days with El Paso, and I'm taking four points off of them. And then the most recent one, of course, we know that United got the 2-1 victory. Uh, Bees and Dev both scored again. That's three and three matches for Bees, two and two for Dev. And, you know, we talked about it, you know, in our in our preview articles, you know, and early in the season. What's going to happen with the loss of Kevon and Santi? Who's going to replace those goals? 
Now, obviously things have changed with the COVID break. And so we're not going to necessarily need, you know, what was it? 24 goals between the two of them um, that we're losing out on. Mm-hmm. But to this point, Dev and bees are certainly, certainly have their, uh, their shooting boots on and are, are making things happen. Um, you know, I, I, the high press, once again, it took a while on, on Saturday night for the, for the high press to, to really make a, an effect, but it did. We got it. We got the goal. Um, and Dev is just a beast there in the, in the box, you know? So, and then of course his goal, like unbelievable shot from what 20 yeah. yards outside the box through the rain. Like, I don't, I honestly don't even know how that one, how that one went in, but you know, Ketter, Ketterer was so flat footed on that. Um, I don't know how, like, not not to take anything away from the from the kick because it, it was it had a lot of power behind it. It found the just inside the the far post there, but if you watch Getterer on that um, on the replay there, he he's just flat footed and not ready to do anything until it's already passed him basically. And part of that was how hard it was hit, and part of it was I don't know what Ketterer was doing honestly. And I think we talked about this, Seth, me and you last year um, when we, we uh, ended with Seeking Strike. You know, we were asked who's going to fill in these spots. And I think me and you both called Dev and Weehan um, are the guys that are going to have to step up. And they're doing an amazing job of it so far this year. Um, but what happens when teams start figuring out how to stop uh, these two? Um, you know, who are we looking at to step up and start making some shots, you know, and start making some plays, especially you know, because we it's it's tough out there, especially when you rely on these two. And if they get shut down one game, it's going to be tough news. And who do we who do you guys think is going to be that role, and who who fits it well to step up? Yeah, that's a very valid question. I know that on the on the radio call the other day, uh, they were saying that like uh, Amando Moreno was needing to step up, or, or Romeo was needing to step up. And honestly, I think those are going to be two of the two of the main guys. You know, if you ask me, um, you, they're guys who can who can play the ball in from the from the wide positions. They can get in the box. We know they can shoot. Like we've seen Romeo and and Amanda both come close on on attempts. So they just need to find. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe find a little bit more confidence in the in their in the final attempt, or maybe they just need to you know put themselves in just slightly better positions. I don't know. But you're absolutely right. We can't depend on on bees and dev week in a week out yeah i think moreno is he's right there he's right there you saw he missed uh i won't say a sitter it was it was a challenging challenging kick to say the least but uh he, he put it just wide of the bar just wide of the post on the left side there and and i think uh if you ask him how many times he makes that he probably says nine times out of ten uh and I think that those are coming. I think they're, I think they're, they're close. They're real close. Um, I think Sammy gets a little bit more run um, throughout the. I, I, last year we kind of changed it up a little. Had uh, Dev and Kevin out there, Kevon out there. Um, so I think there's there'll be some matches where you see Devin and Sammy out there, which to me is if you have those two up top and then Weehan behind them and then. Um, any of our midfielders really uh, maybe have Moreno on one side and Estrada on the other. Uh, and then our back normal back line that we would have with Suggs and, and Ryden and, and whoever else you put back there that, that scares the crap out of me because now not only do you have size on the back, you have size up top and speed up top and then creativity with Weehan up top. Um, 
if you have if if you were to add Brucey to one of those sides um, off the bench, uh, that that terrifies me. Uh, if I was some if I was another coach, so I I think that we have the horses to to put in to get some more goals once uh, Dev and and Weehan are um maybe kind of keyed in on a little bit more. I also part of me thinks you can't really key in on them anymore. Like I don't know what El Paso would be thinking if they weren't thinking that they were going to be the two main guys in our attack going into this season. So why weren't they keying up for them already? Um, so I, I think that they can keep maybe not a goal per match uh, between the two of them, like they are the last couple matches. But um, I, I picked Weehan for my league MVP um, in our preview series that we did uh, on the written side earlier. Uh, before the season started and that's not going to change for me now and, and it definitely looks good at the moment um he looks he looks really really sharp out there on on both sides of the ball and um i think he can i think he has the talent to continue to do that even if defenses start keying on in on him a little bit Last week in El Paso, was there anything that particularly stood out to you guys? I mean, I know we mentioned that we played two matches within 10 days against them. Was there anything that stood out in the second match um, where we particularly that we particularly did well as compared to the first match? Or do we feel like it was just more the same? I mean, from my perspective, when I was when I was watching it, initially I listened to it on the call. Uh, I, was out, I was in the car. And then I got home, I watched it again, and we just we really kind of had to play ourselves into the match from my perspective. Not that we weren't doing things we weren't trying things but el paso was handling the press much better they're moving the ball better and so i feel like it kind of took us about 15 minutes to really play into it and then we started to take over um and beyond that i feel like we are our possession was very good our distribution was very good and i think that you know we were definitely more creative in our in our chances than el paso was and so again what do you guys think i'm gonna say uh Ball protection was probably the biggest difference between the first game and the second game. You know, we, we weren't making uh, stupid decisions like we were in the in the first game, uh, the first match, I should say, against them. Um, you know, better passing was what I saw. And like you said, Seth, uh, better opportunities to score. I think we made uh, better chances against them this, this game. Um, I think we were just getting the feel of El Paso that first match. Um, trying to see what they got because if you remember last year, all those games that we played against them were were very physical. Um, you know, and now with the the rules and the way they are, I don't think you can play that kind of game anymore. Um, so you have to play. It's like chess. You got to play the smart moves and see what you can do and create. And I think we executed that well better in the second match. Yeah, I think the second match um, until that penalty on Raiden. Uh, and I believe the 83rd minute, um, if I'm not mistaken, I just thought we were dominant. Um, the first 15 minutes, it was kind of a wash. Uh, so we might not have necessarily been dominating. Uh, they got some Salgado got down that right or that left-hand side and put a few crosses in early, but there was nobody else there. There was nobody for El Paso within 20 yards of those crosses. Um, and, just want to take a quick moment to shout out the back line there. Um, and specifically, uh, Salim Muhammad, who I've never seen play on the back line. And we throw him in at center back because Schmidt and Tete and Hamilton are all hurt. Um, and he looked amazing back there. Uh, I, 
I, I can't remember if he was out of position on the penalty, uh, and that's why Kalen had to dive in there. Um, I had looked at that before, but I can't remember what I concluded there. But you couldn't ask for a better back line performance than that uh, aside from the penalty um, because even in the second half when they were down 2-0 and had most of the possession, yeah. they never got close. They never had any chances. Uh, Cody made two spectacular saves um, off a free kick that Yuma headed and he tipped it up over the bar, and then off a deflected ball from Richie Ryan um, that uh, was going towards the far post, and he stretched out there. That's the picture that we've seen on Instagram and Facebook and everywhere uh, of him sprawled out like that, six feet off the ground, it seems like. Um, But other than those two chances and those two saves by Cody, uh, for having no depth whatsoever on that back line, because David Najem is hurt as well, uh, one of our, our... uh, I believe he's a left back um, as well. We had nobody. And then we meant, we talked about it earlier. Manny's gone now from the club. Uh, he was suspended indefinitely until Monday um, or Sunday, Sunday or Monday. I don't remember what day it was, but so we didn't have him either. So you look at that and to put basically our best defensive performance of the year so far with no depth whatsoever and a makeshift back line, um, if we can get our players back and healthy and and build off of that on the back line, that was our problem last year. That was our problem to start this year a little bit. It was a shaky defense. And if you can build off of what we just saw and get those guys healthy, you know, we're looking at a back line that is actually something to be reckoned with. And that's part of why I feel so confident that we're going to win this group is because if we have the one major issue that we had last year was our back line and our defense uh, and you fix that, uh, we were, we would have been a very, very good team last year. And I think we've basically done that on the offensive side of the ball. Um, we created more chances. We looked, uh, we made better passes and better decisions. Like y'all have said, um, that goal, uh, well, one, the disallowed goal that was, that they called Devin offsides for, or offside for, um, I, I hate the offside call and trying to judge it uh, with these USL cameras because we just yeah. don't have an angle. That was a horrible angle tell. on that offside call. Um, it's horrible. Yeah. It's impossible. And then I know watching the watching the match in real time, the Weehan goal, I thought they were going to raise the flag up on that for sure because uh, of the angle that we had. It looked like Weehan was a step or two offside on that, and they kept it down. So it's just impossible to tell from the angles that we're watching the matches at uh, whether it's offside or not. But regardless of, of if Devin was offside or not, that play, if Devin is one step back and actually onside, that's a very repeatable play in my head. And Devin is a, a very good candidate to be on the end of those headers time after time if we can get good service to him. So that one and then the set piece goal with Weehan, because that – if you watch it from the beginning, that that is designed. That play was designed to do exactly what it did. It is designed to get the ball to the middle and for Devin or another big body to head it not towards the goal, but towards the post for Weehan, who, if you watch him, starts on the left side on the top and then curls around to the right side and sits and waits. Um, it's a beautifully designed set piece, and it worked perfectly. And one thing that we didn't see a lot of last year was set pieces, um, set piece scoring. Um, 
we had a few that I was like, that was remarkable. And that worked exactly. The one that comes to mind is the Minnesota, Minnesota United match uh, in the open cup. The very first, uh, the only goal that we had in it, it was designed to get Santi available at the top of the box and wide open. And it, it did. Uh, so I want to see more of that throughout this year and more set piece opportunities and set piece designs that actually contribute or can actually lead to goals and, and really, really good chances. So both of those things to me were just something that we can see repeatedly and execute properly throughout the season. Um, I was really happy with those. Was there anything in particular that you guys felt like we didn't do well in this match or, or was it just an all around like very good performance for us given the the time that we've been able to spend playing this season? Um, I, 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 uh, I think Jacob said it perfectly earlier. Um, he, the first 15 minutes were kind of like, Oh boy, what are we doing? Especially when they got those chances early. Um, but we recovered well. I don't think there was too much to take away from the second match. Um, like I said, the first match, I think we were just trying to get a feel for what they were doing and in strategy. But I, I applaud their performance against the the El Paso the second match. I, I really didn't see anything wrong. I think we handled the injuries well. Um, you know, guys stepped up when they needed to. So I, I think we, we need to take that going forward into our next matches and say, hey, you know, especially with the injuries gone or happening to us right now, I think we need to play with that motivation, just continue to do what we're doing. And, and it seemed to work well. Troy knows what he's doing when it comes to that. So I think he put guys in the right position. And I'm going to say I, I didn't see anything that I didn't like. The only thing that um, that I think we can work on, uh, and this, is, this isn't just in this last match, but um, – previous matches this year and all of last year our our set piece defense um has always been a little scary for me uh part of that's just because we've never really had the size that some of these other clubs have uh and we're not as good at uh duels in the air uh, as a lot of these other clubs and the one of the saves that um cody had to make was off a set piece and yuma got free by a mile uh to get ahead on it and and cody had to make a spectacular save because yuma was basically unchecked um for that whole thing so that worries me to an extent uh but we also didn't have our back line um and we're still kind of learning how to play defense together in this weird crazy season so i'm not going to freak out about it too much but if there was one thing that i was going to point out that i feel like we need to do better at it is that all right. Well, I think that's going to clear out our recap of uh, the El Paso match. Looking forward, we do have Oklahoma City Energy FC, one of the uh, few out-of-region or group matches that we have this season. Oklahoma City Energy FC is 1-1-2. One, one, and two. I'm sorry, 1-1-2 one, one, and two on the season. I think I just had that up. Um, I want to make sure I've got it. Right. Yeah, 1-1-2 one, one, and two on the season. They did defeat Austin Bold by a final of 3-1. to one. Um, that is their one win of the season. They have also drawn to Rio Grande Valley FC and FC Tulsa. Um, what do we think about OKC energy, uh, OKC energy this season? Do we feel like this is a match where we might have some issues or do we think that this is just going to be another, um, another match where United goes in, we, we put in the high press and we walk away with three points. I haven't been able to watch Oklahoma City uh, this year yet. Um, I've been meaning to. I probably will uh, before we actually play them. I'll watch their last match or two, uh, or at least highlights of it. Um, 
going off of what I remember from last year, uh, they're not a team that scares me. Like they don't have any one person that really sticks out. They don't have like, they're not a top four team and they're not a Phoenix. Uh, they're not a, a orange County or anything like that. Um, but they just grind and they find ways to get results. So, um, I'm not nervous about it. I think if we go out there and we perform um, at all how we did against El Paso this last match, uh, it shouldn't be um, it shouldn't be close, uh, or at least it it should be uh, in our favor, uh, even if it is a tight game. Um, but it's hard to tell with these USL matches and and uh, and who we're going to see both from our club and who we're going to see from the other club on any given match day. So. Um, I'm, I'm not stressed about it. Again, eternal optimist. Um, I feel like we should be able to handle business pretty easily, but we'll see. I don't know. What about you, Josh? Um, you know, again, like you, like you said, Jacob, I haven't been able to watch too much of OKC. Um, I, I think we go in there strong. I think we go in there with the momentum that with the, with the huge uh, win in El Paso. Um, I think we have the club this year. We, I know we, I believe we struggled with them here at home last season. Um, were they the they they came in here and beat us? Is that correct? If if I remember, they came in now. Albuquerque- I believe we, I believe we drew one one yeah. with them. Um, if I'm not mistaken, yeah. And it's just it's a whole new season. Um, it's tough. Um, I, I'm gonna say that we go in there. Um, and I think we squeak one out. I think it's gonna be a close game. I think it's gonna be, uh, like I said, like with El Paso, it's gonna be a chess match. We have to feel for what they're doing first. Um, but I believe that. Uh, with our big guys up front with Weehan and Dev, I think they're going to be hard to stop this season. And I think Oklahoma is going to struggle with that. Um, and I know that's what they had a hard time last year is with containing Dev. And I think he got a few shots on them um, here in the lab, but uh, I think he's going to be more successful this year. I think he's gotten that, that strength down where he can knock those, uh, those shots right in the net now. And I think that's uh, going to be a big fear for OKC. And I think that's what they're going to strategize. But then they were like, oh, man, well, if we stop Dev, how are we going to stop Weehan? So I think our front line is going to be what gets us our wins and then uh, some key saves by Mizell. Yeah, I don't think it's going to come down to the defensive play. Um, Oklahoma City does have a few guys back from last season. Uh, Frank Lopez is back. They have uh, Omar Gordon back as well. Um, so they're not a team that necessarily, well, they, don't, they don't necessarily scare us. Um, they are a club that we need to be aware of. Atiba Harris is back, uh, a very good midfielder for them last season. Um, and then uh, I think they do have some new folks on the back line. Um, you know, we do need to continue to be creative, try to get, you know, some of our, our, our more winger guys involved, uh, you know, Amando or Romeo or even Brucey, whoever's out, you know, on the opposite side, uh, get them involved. And I think they could make a huge difference in the outcome of the match against OKC Energy. Um, they do have Cody Lorindi in goal still, uh, very good goalkeeper. Uh, so he's definitely someone to keep an eye on uh, in the match this weekend. So I, I looked it up. We did draw with them here in Albuquerque 1-1, and we beat them 3-1 uh, in Oklahoma last year. So um, definitely a club, like we said, that that I think we should go out and take care of business. Um, I mentioned Phoenix earlier. Uh, we've mentioned Phoenix a few times. I just wanted to uh, uh, talk about them for just one second. Um Sante had a terrible, terrible week. I don't know if you guys saw um, 
the highlights from the Phoenix match this past weekend, but he he got an early yellow card and then missed a wide open net um, and then proceeded to get a second yellow card and get kicked out all before halftime. Um, and they've also dropped points the last two matches against Orange County. Uh, so just want to throw throw those out there see if we can get your thoughts on that real quick. Yeah, Santi's week was uh, was not very good. He, uh, of course, you know, had got a red card in their last match and was, um, yeah, he, he will be back for the match with United. But he actually went and had an altercation with a coach or someone on the sidelines. Um, yeah, it just it was not a good look for Santi, good. unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say that, but <laughs> you know it, it's hard to see one of your favorite players go and, and join the rival team. But you know, I, I, I for for some reason I still follow him on Instagram. But uh, you know, he's always out there promoting the the. Uh, I see him more waving the uh, the rising shirts than he ever did with the United. So you know, it, it can backfire. But you know what? When he plays against us, I bet you it's going to be an intense moment for him. Um, you know, cause he, he can't afford to lose or else he's going to hear it from the United, the United faithful. Yeah, I can't. <laughs> no, he, he definitely is. Yeah. I can't wait for that match, even though it's not going to be here anymore. Um, I don't really care. I just, I'm excited for that match and, and to see, uh, see how our team reacts to, to Santi and how Santi reacts to, I hope he plays. Cause to be honest with you, he, it's not guaranteed that he starts on that Phoenix club. So um, I would think that uh, Rick Chance would start him against us, uh, seeing that we're his former club and whatnot. But you never know, and especially if if he comes, if he has an attitude at all with the coach during this time off that he's going to be where he's suspended for the one match, uh, we'll have to see. But um, I didn't mean to derail the podcast by any means, but I, I was trying to get that in earlier and couldn't, and uh, I would hate to not get some Santi news. Uh, when it's, uh, as Josh said, good uh, for us. Um, but back to the Oklahoma City match, do you guys have uh, final scores? What are, you, what are you guys thinking? Honestly, for me, like even going back to last year, United has not necessarily been able to keep clean sheets. Uh, we haven't done that so far this season as well. Um, uh, although I, I think it's entirely possible. I think once we get a, a completely sorted back line, uh, get some sort of um, regular group back there. I think that'll, that'll come in time, but I don't think it's it, it's going to be this weekend. I would certainly love for it to be this weekend, um, but I think it's gonna, ultimately going to be like 3-1 is going to be our final. I agree. I, I, I like that prediction. I am not sold on the club being able to put away games yet. <laughs> um, having a conversation uh, on Facebook here, after this last one, after this nail biter, um, I, I feel like one of those matches is coming. I don't know if it's this weekend or not. Uh, if you look at the schedule, though, if it's not this weekend, uh, is it going to be the following weekend against uh, Phoenix? I don't know. Um, so I will also say we don't get a clean sheet just because I don't think we're going to have a full back line again uh, for this match, I imagine. Um, if I were the coach... I would look at this weekend as let's make sure we get these guys that have been banged up a little more time off, a little more rest, 
this game isn't in the group, so it's not as important. Um, and it's not Phoenix, so it's not as important as Phoenix. So I don't expect to see everybody healthy on the back line back and fully in action. So I imagine we give up a goal, maybe two. Uh, but I, I think I'll go, which is weird because I'm usually the optimist as we've talked about ad nauseum on this show. Uh, I'm not going to go three, one, I'm going to go two, one, um, uh, with us giving up a late goal and having to sweat out the last five minutes of it, um, again this year, some, or again this week, much like last week. So that's kind of what I got. And I think the goals probably come from. Bees, and then I think uh, somebody else is get on the score sheet. I think Bees continues to stay hot, and we'll find find a way to find the back of the net. Um, and then maybe maybe a Moreno or a Sammy, um, somebody like that. So one of the new guys, any of the new guys, Ryden, uh, Sammy, Tanari, somebody, somebody that hasn't scored for United will get on the score sheet this week. I do got to ask you, I do ask both of you guys. Uh, so Josh Suggs made his debut this season, uh, last weekend. Uh, how would you rate his, how would you rate his performance? And how do you think he's going to fit in? Like last season, he was a stalwart in our defense and he's only made one appearance so far this season. Do we think that, um, like the new guys are going to kind of take over or do you think Josh is going to cement his place back in the squad again? Um, he was big for us last year. I I thought, um, you know, he was that big guy that uh, defended that back line very well. I think that I can see him um, getting back in there eventually. Um, I'm not going to say right away, but uh, I think when it comes down to our key stretch towards the end, I think he's going to be somebody that has experience. And um, I think Troy's going to go back to him. And I feel like it, he's going to be a guy that's going to step up defensively for us. Uh, hopefully. Um, it's it's hard to tell right now, but I think he's going to be a, a key later on down the road. I I thought his performance was outstanding. Um, just goes to that back line in general, um, and I think part of what uh, kind of solidified that back line was having him back. Um, he's the captain. Uh, the captain is appointed by the other players, um, from my understanding, um, and he just he just is a player, man. He just. He goes out there, he does his job, he busts it, um, is able to bring that back line and give the whole team kind of some continuity and some leadership back there. And I think that that was a huge part of why the back line, even though we have a bunch of people out, uh, looked better than it has all season because we have him back there. And and I would expect as long as he is healthy, he will be starting uh, there the rest of the season and and we'll wear that captain's armband and we'll, we'll do us proud. <laughs> do we lose that? I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was okay. I'm like, oh no. <laughs> um, yeah. So, <laughs> uh, I hit the button, but it just didn't, just didn't turn back on. But anyway, bound to have technical issues at some point, but, um, uh, yeah, I know Suggs is definitely a welcome addition back into the club, uh, or back into the, into the lineup. You know, he's been just, incredible player i think he's gonna be uh him and riding back there are gonna really gonna cement that back line and we're gonna see a huge improvement uh from our uh from the performances we saw last season so well i think that just about covers everything we had for tonight's show you guys have any closing thoughts before we uh before we get out i just want to say uh stay strong new mexico 
Um, you know, keep your thoughts and your prayers with these guys that, uh, you know, the season can continue and that, uh, they can come back home eventually and start playing some games. Um, but, uh, these guys got to be strong. So we got to be strong for them as well. And let's cheer them on and let's continue to ride the first place uh, wave. I, I really love it being on, on top of this division. And, uh, I think we have what it takes. Yeah, I agree with all of that. Um, Josh, thanks for coming on. Um, it's great to have a third voice on here. And and uh, I, I loved listening to you and Seth last year on Seek and Strike, as well as everybody else that's over there. Um, uh, so I'm glad to have your voice back uh, in the New Mexico United area and, and get to hear your thoughts on that. Um, I Again, I I think that uh, that we have a really good chance this year. Uh, with this weird format and uh, we have a really good team. So I just hope that we continue to strong one, uh, the strong, strong start that we've had since the restart and can keep it going this week against Oklahoma city. Um, Seth, thanks as always. Uh, you're always a great host. Uh, sorry about last week, everybody. Uh, and, and uh, not being able to get on here, but uh, got everything set up. We'll be here uh, every week from here on out. Uh, those of you that listen to the Dad Venture podcast will be here for that uh, as well. Um, we'll get that back up and going on a regular basis now that things have kind of settled down. Um, other than that, catch us on social media. We've got a Sun Suncast. Is it Suncast on Twitter, Seth? Uh, the Suncast, the Suncast yes. on Twitter. Um, I was getting that and the Dad Ventures pod uh, mixed up there in my head for some reason. So uh, you check us out on Twitter. We're also on Twitter at Somos News. News. Uh, we've got the Facebook page, Somos News. News. I'm very active in the New Mexico United Nation on Facebook. You can always just reach out to me personally there. Uh, you can email me or Seth, uh, Seth at dadventuresmedia.com, Jacob at dadventuresmedia.com. Um, Josh, we got you. You want to plug your thing yeah, one more time? Sure. I want to thank you guys for letting me be a part of this. It's a uh, good back to be talking to New Mexico United. So if you ever need a third, just hit me up. Um, but everybody can find me on Facebook. I'm at the Riddler's Killer Rock Show featuring Joshua Carrillo. You guys can find me on Instagram and uh, TikTok, both of the same name, Riddler7X. And then you guys can find me on Twitter as well as the Riddler's Killer Rock Show. But thank you, Seth. Thank you, Jacob. Uh, I appreciate you guys having me on. It was fun. And I uh, can't wait to do it again. Awesome. Awesome. So again, guys, uh, reach out to us if you have any questions. We definitely want to hear your thoughts, especially on the governor uh, and playing games here and the Manny situation. Um, I'm all for uh, conversations, whether you agree with me or not. Uh, I like to hear other people's opinions. So definitely reach out to us on that. Uh, and until then, we'll hopefully get three points against Oklahoma City this Saturday. And uh, we'll be back next week to talk about that and to preview the much-anticipated Phoenix Rising match uh, coming up on August 8th. So, somos unidos, and we'll see you next week. been listening to suncast the official podcast of somos unidos news all of our shows are recorded live from albuquerque and los lunas new mexico are written and produced by seth bidoff and jacob terrell and are edited by seth
Special thanks to Jeff2 on YouTube for the music you hear in every episode. All episodes are recorded and edited using CleanFeed and Audacity. All of our shows are proudly hosted on Pinecast.